Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flag Time Machine. I am Andy Hot Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along to another episode of the Cranky's Odyssey. We're looking at the book uh, Fan Dabby Dozy, Our Amazing True Story by the Crankies from 2004. Uh might be available online, don't know, because a lot of people might have already gone out and bought it in order to follow along with our uh, episodes, uh, he said humbly. Um, so there you go, you might not be able to get a copy of it, but uh, it's the kind of thing you'd probably pick up in a charity shop. That's a lot of digging, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, we've gone through two episodes, basically, about Max Bygraves. Mm. Uh, that's the beauty of subscribing to IFS you basically got a mini unadvertised deep dive into the life and times of Max Bygraves for free and you still got all this Cranky's content ahead of you and we're only as far as the introduction we did get quite a good email about the Cranky's actually I'm just going to yeah I'm just going to quickly try and look look it up I won't spend too much time looking it up if it doesn't uh, if if it doesn't present itself quite quickly I, I will give up Right. Um, no, okay. it's not. It's not there. I've given up immediately. Sorry, lads. You've gone up straight away. Well, we were just talking about how bad it felt when your when you it was revealed to you for the first time when you were a kid that we Jimmy Cranky was in fact a woman. I think I found it. Okay. It was actually a message through through Patreon from okay. Peter. Yeah, age forty-three. Right, he doesn't give any more information on his age than that, so maybe he's exactly forty-three. Maybe, yeah. In which case, maybe it was his birthday. birthday yeah. Um, he says, "All right, lads. My mother says that when I found out one of the cranky crankies was a woman, I cried and was inconsolable." Yeah. Uh, since that day, life has never been the same. Yours still shaken to the core, Peter, age forty-three. Yeah. But how old was Peter when he found out this information? No, 37. (laughs) No, but that's it. We were talking about it. I appreciated that message because it showed that I wasn't the only one. It's very much like, yeah, it just takes away your childhood. And it's just really disturbing and upsetting. It's not at all like Boy George. Boy George, as soon as he rocked up, my brother was like, that's a bloke. I was like, no way. And he went, I'm telling you, that's a bloke. And I was like, okay, brilliant. That makes it better. And my mum was just typically like, well, that's ridiculous how annoying, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it took her a little bit longer. She was fine with it within a week. And we were like, good, this is all part of the creative process. Because it didn't feel like Boy George was ever trying to deceive anyone. He was just saying, 
I'm a geezer, but this is how I like to dress. And everyone's yeah, like, it wasn't, that's great. Uh, yeah, it, it didn't feel like fraud or deception. Yeah, whereas the Jimmy Cranky thing felt like deception. Because if it was mm. just aimed at adults, fine, we'd know. But the kids were never going to fucking understand. They were never going to understand. And we didn't. And then when someone told us, and it was usually a fucking older sibling or an older cousin, like, who revel in that sort of shit, don't they? Yeah. They love it, don't they, older cousins? Mm. They come around and go, ah, watching the crankies, are you? You know that's a bird. <laughs> Fuck off, no, it ain't. Fuck, it is. Ask anyone. It is a deli- it's a little bird. It's only four foot seven. And, get this, they're fucking married. Ah! Oh, Don't Mum! Mum! It's a funny little boy. It can't be a <laughs> woman. Stop saying them things. They're not married. They're <laughs> ruining the crankies. Mummy's ruining the crankies. No, I'm afraid he's right, son. I never found the right moment to tell you, but he's telling the truth. It is a little Doris. Oh, fucking hell. My childhood's <laughs> over. <laughs> uh, we've had another contribution from Thomas Wilson, mm. who has commented on, on Patreon. Uh, he says, The crankies crashed into my mate 20 years ago, and the wee guy one was bluted. <laughs> The wee guy one was bleated. I love it. Bleated. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we're not condoning that comment. That's from Thomas Wilson. So if any of the crackers... We don't know if it's true. Or... Uh yeah, we like to... Um, we'll, we'll offer the crankies a right to reply on all of this content. Of course we will. Yeah, we always do with everybody. Mm. We'll write also, Alan Russell. Alan Russell in October 2019 emailed us and said, uh, next deep dive question mark, fan dabby dozy by the crankies. Oh, uh, and he really? says... He says, I'll keep this short. Exaggerated nonsense stories about their sexual exploits in the decadent world of 1980s like comedy. It even has a foreword by Max Bygraves. The Cunters will love it. Wow. When did, I'll say that again. Who was it who sent it? Alan Russell. And in um, 2019? 2019. October 2019. Yeah. Fucking hell. Well done, Alan Russell. That's amazing. So well, there you go. I mean, I, I became aware of it when the, the writer, journalist, Eamon Ford, Mm. Uh, oh yeah, who I vaguely know and I follow her on Twitter. He posted segments of this on Twitter years ago, uh, mostly without comment. He just put the best bits on there, and it was brilliant. So I thought, yeah, now, mental uh, note, mental note. Let's go a bit deeper into it, which is why yeah. we're here. So we're at the introduction bit, and it starts. This isn't actually written by them. This is probably written by someone at the the publishers. And it talks about their um, their deb not just their debut, but they appeared at the Royal Variety Performance and delighted the Queen Mum and a television audience of millions in 1978. We are delighted uh, by the Scottish madcap couple. <laughs> we declare ourselves the, delighted. The, the father and son duo, <laughs> with their madcap antics, have delighted us. They should be invited again. Bring on the next performer! <laughs> and it says, almost 11 years on, National Primetime TV was to follow as they went to present and revive the flagging BBC One institution Cracker Jack. <laughs> I love all this stuff. I love all this bigging yourself up. Where it doesn't need to be... Yeah. Nothing needs to be bigged up. It was Let's flagging. just stick the boot into Cracker Jack. Yeah. let's be honest it was flagging and they knew the only people who could save it was us (laughs) 
And then it says, like Morecambe and Wise before them, they were then poached by the BBC's rivals ITV to headline their Saturday <laughs> evening lineup. So it's a double whammy. Not only did the Crankies revive the flagging institution of Crackerjack, they then putting them on the same level as Morecambe and Wise. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were, they were widely poached. regarded to be the new Morecambe and Wise. They, they, um, ah. they, you missed a bit where they go, the, the flagging BBC One institution Crackerjack, captivating and infuriating a nation in equal measure with their catchphrase, Fan Dabby Dozy. Uh, yeah. They ca- would you say that equal measure down the middle in a, in a manner that wasn't to be seen again until the fateful Brexit election of 2015, mm. one issue split the nation, polarised yeah. society to that degree yeah. before the, uh, our membership of the EU was people who yeah. were either captivated by or infuriated yeah. by the catchphrase Van Dabby Dozy. You couldn't have anything in between. You had to be one or the other. It was a black and white issue. I was captivated. Mm. I didn't. Yeah, me too. I used me to too. say it. I, I genuinely used to say it all the time because it was easy to remember. I was reasonable from a very young age. I don't mean to boast. I had a decent Scottish accent. I mean, it wouldn't have passed for decent in Scotland, but in West yeah. London, people thought, fucking hell. He does a good Scottish accent for a little kid. Was this as a result of, of being around Archie? Perhaps, yeah. yeah. And and so it was easy for me to get a cheap laugh out of going, Fan Dabby Dorsey! And doing my thumbs. Oh, very good. Still got it? Yeah, still got it. And, you know, I was like seven dishing out shit like that around the streets Fantastic. of West London, mate. They go, here he Did comes. You? Here he comes, Did little you, Sam um, Delaney. He's going to do it. He's going to do, do it. it. Here it comes. He's going to do it. Here he comes, the little cunt. Oh, he's done it. Come on, let's give him a kick in. <laughs> let's kick his head in. Quick, chase him. <laughs> oh, he's doing Duncan Norvell now. Chase me. <laughs> chase me, chase me. My mate William Gallagher did used to do that all the time. And he was really funny at it. <laughs> and I haven't seen him in years. But me and my mate Al, who were mates with him at school, we still reference it a lot like... When we're feeling a bit Duncan. Remember when uh remember when Bill Gallagher used to do his Duncan Norvell? Yeah. One of us go, yeah, it was amazing. It was ama- he was so good at it. He was so good at it and he was so cheeky, he'd do it to teachers when teachers got angry with him. He'd start running around the classroom going, Chase me, chase <laughs> to antagonise the teacher. <laughs> I mean, there you go. That you've got there. You've got a young man who is comfortable with his burgeoning sexuality. Oh yeah. To to go out on a limb and be camp like that, you know. No, that, that's literally, not... like I saw Bill Gallagher the other day on the way to West Ham, and he was with some mates. It wasn't the other day; it was a couple of years ago. And it was weird because he was like, <laughs> like it was, it was. I mean, it feels like the other day. Do you know what Whatever. I mean? It was like, but, but it was like the. I saw him. And I hadn't seen him in years. And he was my very best mate at infant school, for primary school for a while. And uh, it was really nice to see him. But, you know, I think it, he, he has become, in adulthood, a, something of a local hard man. Might even get him a T-shirt right, if I okay. see him again. And so I don't yeah. know how comfortable he'll feel about me if I see him again round the pubs. Yeah, yeah. Which is somewhere that I'm not seen so much nowadays. But if I do find myself around the pubs and I bump into him, I don't know how he'll take in front of yeah, he'll, he'll, his, his drinking uh, 
Sam knows Jason Cobb. That was Cobb. a very long time ago, there, lot, Sam. I prefer not to be reminded of that, especially in <laughs> present company. I have a certain yeah, reputation all, to uphold these days. changed. <laughs> a lot of things were done back then. A lot of things were said. Some of those <laughs> things. Times. Some of those things were said whilst running around in a camp manner. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw him on the tube. He was with some. He was with some rough-looking lads, and I thought. Yeah. If I start doing the old chase me routine, they might not yeah. take kindly. So I kept well. my mouth shut about yeah. that. Yeah. And I didn't oh, yeah. do the fan dabby dozy either. I'm moving very different circles now, <laughs> Sam. Let's not. Let's try and move on to the ones we circulated in. I think. I think the Duncan Norvell chapter of my past is is best <laughs> left there in the past. I think that chapter is closed. <laughs> I think you'll find that Duncan Norvell himself is not quite as popular as he used to be back then. <laughs> Times and tastes change, don't they? Anyway. So, I've always liked you and respected you and we go back a long way. But I would hate for my Duncan Norvell impressions to come out into <laughs> the public domain us. once again. That would be that would be rather embarrassing for me and yeah. I would have to respond in kind if you catch my drift. <laughs> Well, of course, you've, you've revealed it on this podcast, so it has become public. I might be getting so, a knock knock at the door. You might be. It What's might all be. this about you doing something that is known as a podcast? Now, I don't know what the fuck it is, and frankly, I don't want to know. It sounds a bit fucking nuncy, right? I've asked around, and the gist that I get is that it's a pretend radio show for cunts who can't get on the radio. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. I yeah. heard you do it in your bedroom, is that right? <laughs> I know, Sam, it's, frankly, I hope for better for you. I always thought you were, you you had you had talent, but it's uh, very sad that you have washed up doing this for a living. But I don't want me... I don't want my reputation to be dragged through the mud as a result of your failures. I believe this has been part of some kind of subscription service you provide, is that right? Well, it seems that money will have to change hands between us, Sam, to put this right. I think there's a very easy solution for this. It feels as if if you allow me to wet my beak in your checks notes Patreon subscription scheme, (laughs) then we can all forget about this very ugly and unfortunate affair. Uh, Yeah, I I predict that as the years go by, certain episodes of this podcast will have to be removed from the archive for various reasons (laughs) until there's nothing left. Um, So, yeah, captivated or infuriated. Who would be infuriated by it? I guess it would be the parents. You can imagine them doing Vox Pops on fucking Nationwide, can't you? Well... Like it or hate it, we're all talking about it. You guessed it, it's the Crankies and their ludicrous catchphrase, Van Dabby Dozy. It's divided the country in two, those who are infuriated and those who are captivated. We went out on the streets of Chesterley Street to find out what people were saying. You, madam, what do you think? Well, how do you feel if I say the word to you, Van Dabby Dozy? Well, I feel infuriated. And why is that? Well, it's ridiculous. It angers me. Stop saying it. It makes me furious. Can you explain why? No, it's just a feeling I have whenever I hear it. That ghastly little man, woman, I don't know what it is. (laughs) Then the next time, excuse me, sir. Yes. If I said to you, Fun Debbie Dozy, how do you feel? I I feel captivated. Do you really? And why is that? I don't know. I just, it, it absorbs my mind and all of my attention is focused upon that word. 
it takes me off to a place in my imagination where I frolic. I love it. I felt young all over again. It's utterly captivating. And what do you think of the people who are infuriated? I think they're ridiculous. I think they should grow up. It's just a bit of fun after all. Just a young woman. should light it up and enjoy life more, like I do. It's just a small Scotch woman dressed as a schoolboy. What could could be wrong with that? (laughs) Nothing. Now, come on. It's bringing gaiety to the nation. It's what we need. It's got the Queen Mother loved it. The Queen Mother was delighted. And if it's good enough to delight her, it's good enough for the rest of us. So, yeah, uh, captivated and infuriated in equal measures with the catchphrase Van Dabby Dozy. So they've gone to White TV. After three seasons, the BBC decided they needed the Crankies back. So in 1987, made them an offer they couldn't refuse. We need them back. Hello? Hello, is that the Crankies? Do you have a pen? We need... I'm about to say... Yes, this is Sir John BBC. <laughs> no, would it have been Michael Grade in that era? Might have been, yeah, probably. I'll keep this... It's, a great it's, signing. it's Lord Grade here. I'll keep this brief. Pick up a pen and write down the following numbers. In order! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I... Yes, could, that's I, right, pounds, not, not dollars. Yes. <laughs> Oh, we only operate in pounds sterling here at the BBC. <laughs> Fucking hell, so, what a yeah. world. So they've gone between BBC and ITV. Uh, bidding wars, I guess. Were this is like picking up, you know, I've, I've worked in the media for long enough, and you have too, to know the language of bullshit that surrounds people and their careers, <laughs> right? The, the subtle ways yeah. you, you twist language to make your career sound perhaps more important or auspicious yeah. than it actually is. Oftentimes, I would also say, you don't need to. Oftentimes, this has come from people who have done perfectly good things. I'm impressed by any sort of achievement, any sort of creation or whatever. You don't, and in a way, it's a shame that people feel that they need to embellish so much what they've done that mm. would be impressive in and of itself. See what I mean? Mm, exactly like people have to say it was a bestseller when it wasn't a bestseller it doesn't matter whether it was a bestseller it's fantastic that you published a book do you see what I mean that kind of thing right but all this sort of well I was poached and poached and and I was and I was poached to the same just like Morecambe and Wise was so I'm sort of subtly trying to or unsubtly trying to align myself with you don't need to say that Jalapeño Mother's Day is around the corner Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jalapeño. An example is a, a woman who I knew had a podcast. It was, I think it was around the time we were first starting this, or this was first taking off. And I, I like this woman. I worked for a radio station, so 
I'd occasionally, you know, when I saw it, go, oh, how's it going? How's the podcast going? Show an interest. I like to show an interest in other people's output, mate. Right? Yeah. I'm a curious yeah, person. Like that. I'm a curious yeah. person. And I go, how's it How's it going with, with your podcast, right? And I was genuinely interested. And she went, well... And she was... I liked her, but she was very much that sort of a person. And I don't judge people for it negatively. I usually sort of think, oh, it's a shame that they're insecure, that they have to try and embellish what they've been doing. Because what yeah. they don't understand is what they're doing is really good. Mm. And But she was a serial embellisher. And she said to me, well, it's quite news. We've recently been acquired. And I went, oh, what? <laughs> and she went, we've been acquired. I said, what? Well, she went, the podcast has been acquired. And I hey, said, what's what? that mean? Bought. What's that mean? <laughs> Bought. I, well, I can't I, I want to get bought. Who was it? <laughs> okay, I've got was a podcast that could be acquired. Who was it? Was it Alan Sugar? Was it Theopophidis out of Ryman's? <laughs> I bet it was. He got his number. And me and Andy will go around to see him, see if he'll acquire us. Right. But um, she said, we've been acquired. And I said, oh, right. And I thought, fucking hell, Shane just started that the other day. And I thought it was like one of these deals like where Spotify come and buy for a million quid like Joe Rogan. Yeah. And yeah. what it meant was she'd been producing an independent podcast with her mates and a production company in the podcast space had said, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll start producing you if you want, i.e. we'll yeah. assign a child to press record when you're making it. And then, and then take some of your money. And then publish it to Acast, right? <laughs> and, that, and it's great, but it's all that language of we've been acquired or da-da-da-da-da. Mm. It's like you don't yeah. need to do it. What you're doing... Do you want know, to smile, Mrs. Shriver, I'm listening? What you're doing is enough. Of course it is. I say, everyone listening, if my kids are listening, seriously, you're not doing enough. Your rooms Do are more. a fucking mess, and it's disgusting. It is disgusting. You're not doing enough. Work harder. Have some self-respect. You're, uh, there's yeah. Some of the shit I've seen in their rooms, moulding cups and all the rest of it, it's unacceptable. Mm. But everyone else listening that isn't my kid... What you're doing is enough. You're doing it's enough. great. You're doing well. Life if you're is happy tough. doing it, that's enough. And if you yeah. get to the end of each day and you've just achieved one thing, you should give yourself a fucking pat on the back and stop beating yourself up, yeah? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, the Crankies had a really good run throughout the 1980s. As they said here, we're talking, they've gone from 1978 in front of the Queen Mum to being poached back by the BBC in 87. A, great, a decade in mm. the limelight... They'll have made quite a bit of money, a lot of success, but everything has a shelf life. We all know that. Mm. Everything's finite. Very, very few artistic endeavours get to go on and on and on. Yeah, for years I mean, and decades. you've got and the Rolling Stones and said, that's about it. You know, and even they had a dip in the 80s. To an end. And then the next couple of paragraphs, uh, I would say are a little bit unnecessary in their tone. Uh, it says, but times were changing. And by the early 1990s, Political correctness Uh-oh. was the phrase buzzing around the corridors like of power the way this is in going. the TV world. Well, that's that's part one. Uh, mm. and then they say, suddenly, after nearly a quarter of a century in showbiz, the crankies were deemed seedy. <laughs> seedy. As Aww. newly elected... That's in inverted commas, Roy the Rovers style. As newly elected panels of, inverted commas, Morality police. Oh, come on. <laughs> Fucking hell. 
newly elected. Who's electing these panels of morality police? Who's, who's elect? When when do you get to vote for the the morality police? Morality police employed by the television companies who believed there was something suspect about a husband and wife act in which the woman... There's something suspect about this and I want a morality panel to look into it. Deep <laughs> Call diving. the morality police. Turn over some stones. Oh. I, mean, I mean, some of the stuff that they, they talk about in this book probably came to light, which um, suggested that, yeah, perhaps there was something seedy about what they were doing when they weren't on stage or on screen. Uh, it, fucking hell, it gets worse. Listen to this. The Crankies were now social pariahs. No, they fucking weren't. This is annoying me now. This is a bugbear of mine. This made-up shit that these fucking lunatics insist that they're being fucking shut down and cancelled and suppressed. And people just fucking make it up. The word, the most overused and tedious phrase in British public life now is, of course, you're not allowed to say that anymore. Yes, you yeah. fucking are, you prick. I, you maybe should think twice about saying it if you don't want to come across yeah. like a cunt. But there's no one fucking yeah. stopping you saying it. They're saying it every fucking day on the internet and on TV. Yeah, this is not Saudi Arabia waiting at 34 years in prison You're for not allowed to say that dissent. anymore. Against the government. Now. Un- unbelievable. <clears throat> the, the Crankies were now social pariahs and no TV producer wanted to know them. <laughs> they had it tough. That's fucking. Again, right? Again, fuck me. How many jobs have I had and then not had any more? Do you know what I mean? Have you ever had oh, me yeah. complain? Not once. Because. I, I'm grateful to have ever had the fucking chance in the first place, right? Well, this is the thing. Times yeah. change, trends change. You have no God-given right to fucking continue, like, doing your shit forever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and apart from anything else, even if it's still popular with an audience, right? Sometimes it is, sometimes it, Sometimes you stop because there's not enough people who like it. That's fine. You've got to take that on the chin. Sometimes people still do like it. But you know what? Other people need a fucking chance, Exactly. And also, you, while you've got that period of success and you're earning a great deal of money, invest it. Invest it wisely. Don't assume it's going to last forever. Now, that's, that's where you've lost me. Um, I think we're in agreement into that. But my usual approach is, is when I've had a huge amount of success and lots of money pouring in, what I've really made a yeah. big effort to do is just really quickly increase my overheads. Because... Yeah. It's it's good fun, Andy. And, you know, you spend all the money and then you start mm. spending more money because you just keep telling yourself, well, this will never end. I'm going to live forever. And the, yeah. or, there'll, there'll be money pouring into my coffers forevermore because the world loves me. And then it yeah. then then all of a sudden it stops and really quickly you're like, oh, oh no, I'm going to have to live off a credit card for a while. And then, then you get into a cycle. Yeah. But then in the end, and then you promise yourself, next time I get money, if it ever happens again, I'll have learnt my lesson. But then it comes back again don't. and you just don't learn any lesson, Andy. You've I just get, I keep on spinning. Yeah. I go on holidays, I buy so many clothes, everything. You know, mm. it's, it's mm. good fun, but it's also really scary and horrible. Yeah. 
I, I had a run of many years whereby every time I would get some kind of bump in income, mm. it would always coincide with something in my life which required More. a huge outlay. Yeah. It would be That's another child was born, yeah. there was a wedding to pay for, then there was a divorce, <laughs> and all that kind of thing. And mm. every time I got a little bit higher up the income ladder, yeah. something would come along. Like, and like snakes and ladders. Away, snakes and ladders. Away. Life yeah. is like one big snakes and uncanny. ladders, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think like what you're describing, Maybe I didn't. you're describing it, that that's misfortune, whereas I went through the same experience just uh, as a result of um, stupidity, bad, judge, bad judgment, uh, just living out the cost, the sheer cost of living out loud, Andy. <laughs> I can't <laughs> tell you, this is, this is a good life, but it's not a cheap one. It's not for everyone. <laughs> It's an expensive business. It's like that. You see, Andy Joshua's meltdown after he lost that fight. Week. He goes, yeah. everyone's saying, yeah. right, that I can't pull all these combinations. Like Tyson, well, I'm a big lad. It's difficult. <laughs> That's like me going, everyone's saying I never save any money. Yeah, but I live out loud. It's expensive. I like, I like spending it. I like Too spending money. I can't help it. Oh, Fucking hell, I tell you what, that was that's worthy of a deep dive. That anti Joshua figure, uh, like, yeah, I we don't didn't underst- do it, did we? At the time, I don't understand how he like patronised him, um, like what's his name, who'd beat, who'd just beaten him up, and he somehow tried to turn it round and patronise him for like yeah. winning. Yeah, no, he's let's be honest, he's he's done well to beat me up. <laughs> like, how are you making this about you? He just won. The bloke looked really pissed off, didn't he? But he managed to hold him, hold it together. I thought it was incredibly um, dignified. Dignified throughout mm. the whole thing, yeah. Considering yeah, he just won, yeah. Joshua was the loser, and the, you know? and the loser just fucking just tried to steal the thunder of it all. Tear into <laughs> do, him. do yeah. a mad, weird speech about himself for twenty minutes. There was loads of stuff. People were saying one of his entourage should have took the microphone off him. I don't think he was in a position to have the microphone taken no, off him. No, no, I don't no. think he would have responded no, well to that. No, at all. definitely not. No. Well, I don't no, think mate, he's. In, was... I don't think he'll be in a good state to have a microphone taken off him for a good few months. And but people better just get All I'd say is, if you're in the vicinity, right, of Anthony Joshua, any time over the next few months, just give him his space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let him work it out. Yeah. Um, so the Crankies were now social pariahs, and no TV producer wanted to know them. They'd had it rough before, but after so much success, this time it was even harder to take. They had become the butt of showbiz jokes, a punchline for the new breed of brutal TV presenters and the shock jocks who now cluttered the airwaves. Cluttered. <laughs> oh my God! Come on, man. Shock so, jocks so, everywhere. So that you Dissing can't move the these shock jocks. Dissing the crankies everywhere. Uh, what do you think they um? Who are they referring to here? Do you think they're referring to people like the alternative comedy brigade? Probably, yeah. They resented the, the, that. The, the old school really resented those guys, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, but they dusted themselves down and continued to do panto. Always a good earner. Very they good. Started working the cruise ship circuits. Lovely again. Good earner, and toured Australia during our harsh winter months every year. So what they're basically saying is their life was better than yours. Yeah, and it was also better than being on TV because TV is a right pain in the ass. I reckon they were earning just as much doing this stuff. And the thing about cruise ships, uh, right, is that obviously, Andy, I thought about whether we could take this on the cruise ship circuit at some point. of course. Because it's a big money spinner. But I would probably miss 
my good wife too much. But if I had a mm. double act with her like they did, it'd be no problem. I mean, no offence to you. I like to spend time with you, but it's not the same as being with my wife to unwind. Would she be prepared to dress up as a little schoolboy, do you think? I don't know. I mean, I'd ask her. She's not really a show-off type, so I don't know how I could sort of enlist right. her in any kind of entertainment package. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I could try. But that's... It I, does feel like... It feels like one for the future, though, so you've got to I don't, take I don't, a look on look, it. I don't want to do it. All I'm saying is... All I'm saying is, is that they had it made, because they're going on these cruise ships, working together, but they're husband and wife, so they don't even have the element where you go... You know, people go, I've got to go away, but I'll miss the family. That's the... Yeah. Even when we go on tour, we miss our kids, don't we? And we're only... Off, we do. We only go away for, like, two weeks or something, and you miss the kids. The most. Um, yeah. But... The, but these guys, they had it made. I don't know if the Crankies had kids, by the way. I, I don't think they did. Um, I don't. I don't think they did. But what, what's been said here is, you know, even though we were at rock bottom, we were still on top. Our lives mm. were better than yours. We were out in Australia during the harsh winter months, which of course is summer in Australia. And then it says also, and played a lot of golf. Yeah, how about that? Fuck you. So up Fuck yours, you, British winter. Up yours, yeah. cunts. Cunts up reading yours, this book. TV, BBC, cunts. Up yours, morality police. Up yours, politically correct, fucking British television <laughs> and and shock jocks and your bru- and the brutal TV presenters. Fuck the lot of you. All of you. We're the crankies and we're fucking larging it. And nothing, nothing will ever stop us. And then, ten years away from TV, their fortunes began to change for the better, as they earned the coveted cult status again. Mm-hmm. Inverted commas, thanks to hilarious appearances on hit comedy shows, including French and Saunders. It says this time sending themselves up. Well, this time, this time, there was obviously history with French and Saunders. Yeah, they they sent us up, but in the end, we came to an arrangement where they realised that they had to show us more respect, and we and agreed we that we would up. be willing to send ourselves up. But I would say. Massive, massive respect to my favourite thing that French and Saunders did. And, of course, I love all of French and Saunders' output, right? But my favourite thing is when they do the spoof movies, yeah? And probably my favourite one was when they spoofed Silence of the Lambs. And the bit with the Crankies is that they, they parody that scene where Jodie Foster's walking towards Hannibal Lecter's cell and she has to walk past all the other nutters. (laughs) <laughs> and, one, and one of the nutters shouts at her in the real film one of the nutters shouts at her out the cell she's walking all scared and they're all shouting at her and one of them shouts I can smell your cunt which is disgusting yeah. but you have to understand this is the sort of film it is she's in a mental home right and uh, Hannibal Let's goes to her what did the man in cell 3 say to you she goes he said he could smell my cunt and then subsequently <laughs> Hannibal Lecter the next day talks that man to death something which I'm sure you think I'd be capable of doing maybe one day to you I don't know <laughs> oh way to go I'll take that I'll be fucked to death by Chris Jones thank you very much but in the in the French and Saunders version she walks past the crankies and when she gets to fucking Hannibal Lecter being played by Dawn French Dawn French goes what did the crankies say to you Clarice and she goes they said friend Abby Dolce <laughs> and it is quite a beautiful uh, little it's sketch. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And they also it says they featured regularly in Viz magazine. Uh, okay. Right. 
again, I don't know whether they were being laughed at or laughed with there. Uh, and for Jeanette, the opportunity to star along Oscar winner Julie Walters in the BBC series Dinner Ladies and the 2003 series of Absolutely Fabulous. Um, Jeanette's appearance in Dinner Ladies is magnificent. That's the Victoria Woods Who, who, who does she play, not herself? She plays... a. I can't remember. It's a friend. It's a friend of Julie Waters. Julie Waters, who plays um, Victoria Woods' character's mother. You're right. And the two of them. I can't remember if they're friends or if they're lovers in this. <laughs> but she's absolutely brilliant in it. And it says also the cameras also followed them for the documentary series The Entertainers, which I think was the thing that Louis Theroux exec produced. Um, they became regulars on the chat show circuit, appearing on Frank Skinner and Jonathan Ross's programmes, where they would, as usual, be relentlessly quizzed about their curious relationship. <laughs> yeah, you know, the old schoolboy dressing up thing. Mm. Um, and it says, now in their autobiography, they reveal in their own words the truth about their remarkable careers spanning five decades and their incredible marriage. And they explain that since tying the knot in 1969, they've always been together. Although they weren't always faithful to each other. Whoa! <gasps> Fucking Whoa. hell. And there we have it. Leading into chat time. I think we know we're in for a big fucking... <clears throat> a big read. We're in for a wild ride. We really over the are. the next few months. <laughs> so there we are. We'll leave it there. That's the introduction. Oi, there's and a we'll picture. In, if you look in the first picture section, yeah. Andy, there is a picture of them, I think, on their wedding day. And Jeanette's in this sort of beautiful kind of 60s white gown with furred hood and long hair. And I'm telling you, she looks well, really yeah. hot. Like, yeah, she, looks, she, she, she looks pretty sexy. Like, yeah. not even lying. She really does, doesn't she? Yeah, definitely. There, and there's a little inset uh, of her showing her legs with him. Yeah, fucking hell. I all think, right. uh, now, Ian, now it's Ian all making cranky. more sense. It's punching above his weight a little bit there. Yeah, it's all I making believe. more sense now. Yeah, okay. Um, more of that next week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.